perfect spot so that there is not one spot that is without luminescence on the tree. Where you can do the old blur technique. Anybody know the blur trick? You kind of blur your eyes a little bit and look at the tree, and that's when you see the pockets that need light. No? Okay. So <laughs> there's a little, little hint for you if you learn nothing today. So there's all these things. And so we get the tree out. And last year we went a different direction. Somebody gave us their castaway pre-lit tree, and I put it up, and I was not happy the entire Christmas season. It wasn't as full. The lights were going out. I was bitter and angry at this friend of ours that gave us this tree. Um, she's not here today. And so this year I, I, I came back to Old Faithful, and I was like, okay, we're going to bring you back out of you know retirement, dust you off, and get you fluffy again. And so the lights that I had from the two years ago, you know how Christmas lights are. They're finicky. So I said, this is the year I'm getting rid of all those old lights where I'm going to have to plug in and do all the little fuses and all those things, and, and I'm going to get some new lights. And so I went to Home Depot and just with joy in my spirit. And, and I said, you know what? I'm environmentally conscious. I want my grandchildren to have a world. I'm going to get LED lights. Sure, they're maybe $3 more a pack, but doggone it, my grandchildren are worth it. And so I bring them home with somebody in the back of my mind going, Jenna's going to hate this. But I still go and I laboriously put them on in the midst of our two-year-old going, I want to help, which, you know, not really that much help. And, and him coming in and doing his stuff and, and all these things. And I place every, every bulb and every branch. And, of course, I get to the top and I don't have enough lights. So I go back to Home Depot and I get another strand of LED lights and I come back and I finish and I plug them in and Jenna's not in the room and I'm like, oh dear, she's really not going to like this. And she comes in and her face is like, not a big fan of the environmental friendly light, my wife. I will say that I really didn't like them at first either. They are bright white to the point of blue. And, you know, normal Christmas lights are white to the point of yellow. There's a little bit of a variance there, and it doesn't feel like Christmas. Last night when the lights were off, it was like daylight in our room. It was just, <laughs> burr, it was like an office, actually, not daylight. It was just, and I was. We also couldn't find a Christmas vacation movie. Yeah. We actually didn't have eggnog at the house. It was not beginning well. Jenna and I were just at each other for whatever reason. Merry Christmas. It's the coming of the king, the Advent season. And you know, yesterday typified what the Advent season has become for most of us. It's become this worship experience of things other than what we should be worshiping. It was just a pure example of losing the picture. Worship. Worship is defined in, uh, in various ways. Um, one of the ways is, in, I think the most accurate way, is, is giving thanks and praise to God for his acts of saving grace. So worship is, in essence, the, the act of giving thanks and praise to God for what he has done. It's just, thanks, God. And that comes in various forms. We come and we, and we sing songs of praise to God, and we sing songs of thanksgiving to God, and that's worship. And that's what God desires from us, really. That's it. 
It's this, this sense of just of worshiping, of giving back to God, of, of practicing an art of, of thankfulness and praise for the graces of God. And that's what worship is. And it just doesn't happen on Sunday morning. You should have learned that this summer, that, that worship happens every moment of your life. Every moment of your life is an opportunity to give God thanks. No matter what you're doing, there's an opportunity to give praise and thanks to God for his saving grace. doesn't matter what you're doing. There is a moment of worship happening at that moment. But worship has become, in the modern church, a ritualistic formula. You prepare for it. You prepare for uh, what's going to occur. You have an order of worship. You have a bulletin as you would down the hall. You have the steps of which you will go through. You put on maybe some vestments. You put on maybe a robe in some uh, circumstances and a stole. And the, cha- and the color of the stole changes due to the changing of the season. And you maybe have some candles or some incense or some sprinkling of the water, some smells and bells, worship services, if you will. And you prepare for this great ritualistic worship event. Around this time of year, I think a lot of people prepare for a worship event. Black Friday. Yeah. Because there's a religion in the world that is the fastest growing religion in my mind. And that's the religion of consumerism. It is just spreading throughout the world. You go to any other country in the world and you see, unfortunately, the West's influence of consumerism, of you must have more, you must have the best, you must have the greatest, get it, get it, get it. And so Black Friday is the high holy day of that religion. And you see these people coming together and and planning their attack of the outlet mall up in San Marcos of we're going to we're going to park over here and we're going to work our way down this side and then we're going to rotate over because we don't want to start over here because more people will be here to be people plan their days out I'm going to have to wear tennis shoes because we will be running wear comfortable clothes because you never know when you're going to need to elbow someone and you need that bendability in your shirt so you prepare for this worship experience, and then when you, at the end of the day, you, you are like thankful for the deals that you got, and you go home and you tell people, you wouldn't believe the deal I got on this TV. You wouldn't believe the deal I got on this whatever. Oh, it was a great experience. It's kind of what Christmas has become. It's this conglomeration of of consumerism and and worship of things that the world tells us the holiday season is about. When in truth, the Advent season is about the coming of the King. So we should be worshiping Jesus. Christmas should be the worship celebration of Jesus Christ. The looking forward to the coming of the King during that first Advent season, it was the actual first coming of the king. Ever since then, it's been looking to the second coming. We are preparing for the second coming of the king when Jesus Christ will once again walk on this earth. 
We should worship Christ. And so this season, we've decided to invite you to conspire with us to the Advent Conspiracy. Last week, we we showed you um, a a video that was very similar to the one we just showed you. And at the end of it, at the 11 o'clock service, thunderous applause. And I said, you'll never clap for my sermon. But people were excited about it. Just the video. And then Daryl and I did our little spiel, which was better at 11 o'clock than than y'all got to hear. So, sorry. You should come to 11. And people, once again, were excited about it and came forward and were, were talking to us about it. This idea of changing Advent to what it should be. Not focused on spending money and and creating this list of who gets a present and how much are we going to spend on this present and spending so much time and energy wasted on those things and putting it back into relationships and to worshiping Christ and the body of Christ and the family of God. And so we are going to look at Christmas a little differently this year and go back to what it should be. Worshiping Jesus. Worship fully. If you look at um, Luke chapter 1. Where am I? In Luke chapter 1, you have um, what's known as the, uh, the Magnificat. Mary's Magnificat. And it is this, verse 47 is where I am. This is right after... Uh, an angel comes and tells Mary, this is what's going to happen to you. And Mary's like, um, what? And he said, no, really? And she goes, okay, great. And this is how she responds. Oh, how I praise the Lord. How I rejoice in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And now generation after generation will call me blessed, for he, the mighty one, is holy. And he has done great things for me. His mercy goes on from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arms does his mighty arm does tremendous things. How he scatters the proud and haughty ones. He has taken princes from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things he, and sent the rich away with empty hands. And how he has helped his servant Israel. He has not forgotten his promise to be merciful, for he promised our ancestors Abraham and his children to be merciful to them forever. This teenage girl who is engaged to be married is visited by an angel and the angel says, okay, here's what's going to happen. You are going to conceive a child in your womb by the Holy Spirit and this child is going to be God and he is going to come forth on this world and sacrifice his life so that all may have eternal life. Wow. That is some heavy information for a young girl to have. I mean, think what must have been running through her mind when the angel tells her this. And her reaction was to worship God. How great is God that God is fulfilling this promise of mercy That God is bringing forth the merciful Savior. So that generation after generation, the lowly will be exalted. That people will be set free because of 
this child, she immediately goes into just a worship experience. Worshiping God for God's acts of grace. His saving acts of grace. So there's a few more characters in the story. Joseph, for one, who also, you might think, would have a huh reaction to the news that his engaged woman was pregnant. In Matthew chapter 1, we can, uh, we can see Joseph's reaction uh, to this. Angel comes to, uh, to Joseph. Excuse me. I didn't write where I was supposed to be. <laughs> I was cheating. This time I didn't. Uh, verse 20. As he considered this, he fell asleep. Considered the fact that Mary's pregnant. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Don't be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And he hearkens back to Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife. Okay, so here's this young man who's engaged to be married to this woman. And he finds out that she's pregnant. Now, Joseph was a humble man, and he decided instead of throwing her to, um, to the priests and just casting her out, be, making her be an outcast, he decides, you know what? No, I'm just going to walk away quietly. I'm going to break off the engagement, and I'm going to walk away quietly and, and cause her no disgrace or as little disgrace as possible. So he's contemplating this. He's contemplating walking away because, let's face it, when, when people began to learn that Mary was pregnant, people were looking at their family. Well, wait a minute. They're not even married yet. What do you mean Mary's already pregnant? Oh, for shame. Look at that family over there. You can imagine the way the little gossip trail went throughout their small, small community. And the angel said, Look, don't be afraid of what people say. Don't be afraid of how the world is going to react to what you're doing right now. Because I've called you to something greater. So move forward with it. You know, changing your, your Christmas celebration and, and telling your family, hey, you know what? Instead of giving a lot of gifts this year, let's just focus on maybe one gift. And then, and then maybe let's do something out of the ordinary and give money away. Or, hey, instead of doing our normal Christmas Eve um, ritual that we always do, we all, let's go and serve food to somebody somewhere. You know what your family's going to do? Are you crazy? What? No, no. That's not what Christmas is. Christmas is about this. This is Christmas. As much as it irritates all of us, this is what it is. Don't be afraid for the reactions that you might get if, if you decide to follow along this path and say, I'm not going to walk in the worship of the world any longer. I'm going to react a little differently this Christmas season. So you have Mary, who's worshiping fully, and Joseph, not afraid of what the world says. And then you move on to the shepherds. Jump back to Luke chapter 2. And the shepherds right here uh, in verse 8. 
That night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. They were sore afraid. I love that. It doesn't say that in this translation, but it does in many, and that is one of my favorite lines of text. They were sore afraid. That means really scared. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You'll find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Come, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Then the shepherds told everyone what happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. So you have these shepherds, little boys, little girls out in the field. Their job is to take care of the sheep. They were um, not necessarily seen as the elite of society. For a lot of times, they were kind of outcasts. They didn't have a voice in the community. They were the ones on the outskirts of the community, taking care of the sheep. Angel comes to him. He says, hey, guess what's happened? Jesus has been born. And they freak out. And they run to worship Christ. They run to find this baby, the king. What does that mean? That means they left their life behind. They left everything. All of the sheep that they were watching, their sole responsibility in the world, the thing that kept them busy, the thing that kept them from day till night working, the thing that would ensure them a future, they left behind and ran to worship Jesus. Wow. And then what did they do? They went and told people about it. They said, this is amazing. This is incredible. You have got to know this information. Daryl said in his prayer right before this, but this is a time where we can leave the busyness behind on Sunday morning. But hey, maybe, maybe this Advent season... Let's try to set aside the busyness of running around from store to store and trying to find that one last gift. Or because somebody gave you a gift, you're like, oh, now we have to get them a gift. No, you don't. Stop running around and doing the busyness of this season and spend time with your Savior. Spend time with your family talking about your Savior. Spend time with other people talking about Jesus Christ. Do what the shepherds, these lowly people in their society had the courage to do. To leave everything behind and to worship God. There was another group of visitors that came to worship Jesus as a baby. It wasn't that same night, but, but a while later. And it was the wise men or the astrologers that you might know about. I'm jumping back over to, to Matthew chapter 2. And... The wise men are an interesting group, and, and there can be lots and lots of study on, on these guys. But basically, they, they read in these little astrology, the stars kind of change, and they're like, whoop, the king of the Jews has been born. 
we must go see him. So they pack up all their stuff and they move to Beverly and they travel across the world, travel across wherever they're, they they go to find him and, and they encounter a king, King Herod. Now Herod was not a nice man. He was uh, the king of the area, and um, it was not uncommon for him to kill his family if he was threatened by them, um, to kill children, uh, to kill any number of people. He was not um, a nice guy, but he was the king. And so um, the wise men are asking people around, hey, have you heard about the king of the Jews? Word gets to Herod. Herod sends a message, come see me. So they go to see Herod, and they tell Herod that... um, In Bethlehem, they say, for this is what the prophet said, O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So Herod gets a little nervous about this, and he tells uh, the, the wise men, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and once again the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way because God warned them in a dream. Here are these men <coughs> from across the world who, who hear about the coming of the king and they go to see Christ and they go to worship him. But they encounter a worldly system that wants to stop them. They encounter a worldly system that wants to stop what Jesus is going to do. And they have a choice to follow what the world is telling them, what this powerful, powerful man Herod is telling them, or to risk their lives in the worship of the Savior and to go home a different way. They worship God. They give him all that they had brought, which was a lot. And then they risk their lives to leave a different way to protect him. They encountered a worldly system that told them this is the way you should do things. And they stood up to it. And they said, no, not this time. We will worship God. This Advent season, as we will walk through this conspiracy, what we want to happen is for all of us to begin to worship fully Jesus Christ, this child who came to earth to save us. As we celebrate the coming of the King, we want you to, to turn away from the worldly system. And, and I want myself to do that as well. And to realize that LED lights aren't really that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> Worship fully this baby child. I want to read something from... The book, Advent Conspiracy, that was written by these, uh, these three pastors, McKinley, C., and Holder. It says this, As followers of Jesus, our options are clear. We can inhabit the story of a corrupt world, or we can enter the story of God through Christ. If we choose the former, we, we need not change anything. Christmas and the rest of our lives 
will look much the same as now. But if we choose to enter the story of God, we choose to enter the greatest story ever. The story that changes everything. When we enter the Advent story, we cannot remain silent. Like Mary, we will sing to our redeeming God. Like Joseph, we will obey without regard to the cost. Like the shepherds, we will leave our busyness to worship Christ. Like the Magi, we will confront anything that stands in the way of our worship, whether worldly empires or our own fears. We will celebrate, sing, dance, pray, meditate, and love our way into a story that is of great joy for all people. Christmas changed the world the day Jesus was born. And Christmas will change the world again. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of life that came through a baby child in Bethlehem. Lord, we thank you and praise you that year after year you give us a season in which to celebrate the coming of a king, the coming of our king. God, so often we get lost in the religion of consumerism in the way of the world, the system that has been created by ourselves. And we miss the gift of worshiping you, of giving thanks and praise to you for your acts of grace. Help us, Lord, to have the courage to move beyond what the world tells us to do, how the world tells us to worship this Christmas season. Help us to enter the story of you once again. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.